Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hey there. Welcome to this unbelievably mind-blowing version of The Shalene Show. This is a two-parter. However, I'm not going to make you wait for the second installment. Instead, I split them up into two episodes so that you could download them quickly. I have a feeling that you're going to listen to this first one and then immediately download the second one. And then you'll probably, I hopefully, in fact, I pray that you share these two episodes with, um, let me think. Yeah, pretty much everyone, everyone you know, especially if they live in the United States. And you might even want to share it to your European friends and let them know that you are going to get your passport and you may be moving in. So clear out that extra bedroom. So have an open mind. Most of all, remain calm. Stay optimistic. Because in part two, you'll hear some of the solutions. This first one, I can't really even give you part two until you listen to part one because you have to understand the science of this rather than just accepting it at face value and understand how these things happened. And then in part two, we will speak specifically about how you can address your gut health to improve weight loss resistance. But it doesn't make any sense for you to jump ahead to part two until you listen to part one. Well, anyways, I don't need to sell you on it. You're excited enough, I bet. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Zach Bush. He was the president of his medical school class at the University of Colorado Health. Smart guy. With his MD, he later became the chief resident for the Department of Internal Medicine at the University of Virginia. Now, over the past 12 years, this guy has continued to further his medical education and his understanding of science and knowledge. He is among a very few physicians in the nation that is triple board certified, having completed training certifications in three fields of interest to you and me, including internal medicine, endocrinology, hormones, and metabolism, all things we want to know more about, we need to know more about. He's published countless peer-reviewed articles and books in chapters in areas of infectious disease, endocrinology, and cancer. Mark my words, this is someone who is a leader, a name you're going to know when it comes to gut health, gut intelligence. Now at his own clinic, Revolution Health Center, he clinically treats patients to help them repair leaky gut syndrome, gluten intolerance, autism, type 2 diabetes, autoimmune conditions, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, and yes, weight loss resistance. This guy is unbelievably smart, but even better than how smart he is, is how easy he makes some of these concepts for us to understand, how passionate he is, and how truly committed he is to getting this information out there and putting us back in the driver's seat. I hope you have a helmet because this is going to blow your mind. Grab a pen and a piece of paper. You're going to want to write some notes. You're also going to want to go back and highlight them. And then you're going to want to listen to this again. And please do not forget to visit Dr. Zach Bush and check out his newsletter. You can sign up for it by going to restore for the number four life.com. And you want to do it because this guy's just a wealth of information. It's the kind of information you're not going to get from your, your medical doctor, traditional news sources, and you certainly aren't going to get it from consumerism. And you're certainly not going to get it from advertising. This is the real deal. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Zach Bush. Shalene, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. For those who are not familiar with your background, can you tell us a little bit about... Um, 
how would it well actually let, let's start with your your medical background Sure. Um, started very Western medicine trained. I was at the University of Colorado and did four years of medical school there, excelled in the area of internal medicine there. And so I moved on to a subspecialty in internal medicine at the University of Virginia and uh, spent three years uh, in that subspecialty and then uh, moved to a faculty year that's called chief resident year and was teaching full time there. And then I moved into the field of endocrinology and metabolism with another three-year fellowship in training and subspecialization in hormone management of all kinds of systems of the body. So endocrinology is kind of the talk back and forth from your brain to your uh, glands that make the hormones that drive your cellular metabolism and lots of other functions. Well, we are certainly fascinated by hormone levels and, and how the hormone affects weight loss resistance here. How in the world did you go from or maybe it's an obvious jump, I don't know, from endocrinology to being one of the leaders in gut healing. Total mistakes, <laughs> and it's never a straight line, I think, when uh, to our passions and purpose in life. Um, but uh, basically what was happening is I'd been practicing medicine for about eight years in endocrinology clinics, seeing a lot of diabetes, thyroid disease, a lot of obesity, vascular disease, et cetera, and was starting to find out that my medical interventions were really leading to uh, a, a downstream tumble into more and more inflammation and disorder in the patient's life. And so mm. the more insulin I put people on, the worse they got, the, fat, the more weight they gained, the more depression they got. And I watched people, you know, dial down from an unhealthy state to, uh, you know, suicidal states. I had a young girl commit suicide after seven years oh. of working with her. And to see my own interventions really ultimately negatively impacting people's lives to the point where they're taking their lives out of depression and just hopelessness wow. uh, led to a huge level of despair in my own toolbox. And my patients ended up being the ones to start to help dig me out of this. And they started bringing in books that were telling me that they could uh, reverse their diabetes or their obesity by changing the food they ate. And sadly, that was an aha moment for me. And at first, I actually didn't think it was true. And after reading uh, a couple of books, I suddenly realized, oh, my gosh, I know nothing about this whole world of, of reversing disease or nutrition or any of this. And Which so, is it fair to say that, you know, even a, a medical doctor with training as an endocrinologist, that it's we often learn more after a formal education there's no question. I mean, if you're willing to listen to your patients, you are going to very quickly find out as a doctor that all of the interventions you're throwing at them uh, are very short-lived in efficacy if they have any effect at all, and they come loaded with side effects, and there's a downstream decline. And so if, if we listen and then we choose to you know, go beyond our pharmaceutical toolbox, inevitably we're going to learn more from our patients and our experience in real life than we ever did in a, in a classroom. If we know that nutrition is, is, has such a role on our hormones and our gut health, can I ask how much is covered in that area while you're in your formal training? Like how, how, what, what should we expect our doctors to know? Your doctor, um, if you went to a good program, uh, likely got one semester of a class called nutrition. And that class is typically the easiest course that we take. And uh, medical students are very fast to find 
the areas in which they can cut corners on hours of studying, et cetera, because mm-hmm. there's simply just too many hours of work to be done. And so you're always looking for the shortcuts and nutrition is typically your easy class where you can be pretty confident you'll pass the test without much studying. And in fact, most people won't even go to the lectures. Wow. And so and it's this one, tiny one piece. Semester? One semester, it's one class that's buried in the, in, you know, in that semester, it's buried in, you know, physiology, pathophysiology, uh, anatomy, all of these classes that you, you feel like and are really told that these are the things that are going to shape your knowledge base as a doctor. And by the way, there's a little bit of nutrition on the side. But the nutrition you're taught is, you know, age-old information. It's an old, you know, food pyramid that was introduced through lobbying campaigns by big pharma and big farming uh, back in the 1960s and 70s, 80s. So even the information we're fed in that nutrition class is so far from truth and so far from any scientific knowledge of what nutrition would be called. So how did this really turn your focus to, to the gut? Yeah, so that was you know quite a journey. So I, I was uh, w- while in my endocrinology metabolism fellowship, I had gotten into uh, excitement around the research of uh, of tumors and cancer, and I had found um, some role for a vitamin A compound that might play a role as a chemotherapy agent for tumors of the pituitary gland that were occurring in the brainstem, etc. And in my cancer research, uh, you know, looking at these vitamin A compounds, it was the beginning of the the realization, whoa, I, I think vitamin A comes from carrots or something like that. And <laughs> that that's sitting here killing these cancer cells under the microscope. And I managed to get a clinical trial started at the University of Virginia uh, using these for uh, tumors of the pituitary gland that had failed surgery and other Uh, courses of chemotherapy. And so we were using this vitamin A compound. And then my patients in the midst of that start bringing in these nutrition books to say they could reverse their diabetes with nutrition. And so it started to paint the perfect backdrop of, oh my gosh, I wonder if you could cure everything with nutrition if you really (laughs) understood what that meant. Wow. And so that was the slippery slope that I started down in 2008, 2009. By the time I left the University of Virginia, I had tried to start a nutrition-based center there for reversing chronic disease and uh, ran into the main roadblocks, unfortunately, which were uh, the dietitians that were uh, employed in the university setting because they have some very set protocols that they're supposed to be following. And I was asking to really depart from those grossly. And so, you know, ironically, the nutrition clinic couldn't start because the dietitians, nutritionists were the, the ones that just couldn't accept the the competition in some ways of a completely different mindset. So, challenging the those norms. Yeah, challenging them. And, and I think, you know, we're all a little bit defensive about our own knowledge base, especially when we fight for years to get that knowledge base. And this so is true. It's, it's not too surprising they were a little defensive about it. So then I started uh, my own nutrition clinic uh, in a tiny little town in rural Virginia, thinking that if I could find a program that was going to work in the, the poorest counties of Virginia where uh, there's not even really access to grocery stores. Most people are eating out of Sheets gas stations and all of this. Mm-hmm. And so I figured if we could find a nutritional program that would work there, we could really scale it nationwide and really start to heal this foundational uh, piece that we were missing that was leading to these epidemics of disease. And what I found over those next few years is that no matter how healthy I got my patients eating, there was a significant portion, you know, maybe 40%, they were getting worse, not better on healthy food. And that started to really getting us into some pretty intense questions about what is gut health, 
what is nutrition, where does nutrition start? It may not start in the, the plant, it might start in the soil. So that was some of the rabbit holes we were jumping down to find our way to the point where today I think we do have some of the most cutting edge science in, in gut health. Wow, it's interesting you should say that, which is what really led me to my passion, which led me to finding the research that you've done. And that is, I, I'm i in health and nutrition. I'm, I'm in fitness. I, I eat a very, very clean diet, yet I was having all of these cognitive functions that weren't working. I was, I had my brain scanned and they found toxicity in my brain, uh, um, giant holes from earlier concussions, uh, attention deficit disorder. And then just this like weight, I would almost call it like a body fat resistance where I couldn't eat cleaner, but yet no matter who I went to, they would say, well, you've got to clean up your diet. And I kept saying, but that doesn't make sense. It, I I don't know how I would get it cleaner. And then I did a Nutra panel, a nutritional panel, and discovered that I, I felt like a liar because these foods that I was eating weren't showing up in my system. Like I was deficient in so many of the categories that it was it was really upsetting. And and then I realized for the first time ever that I should pay attention to the term gut health. Because I've been hearing that term for many, many years, like five or 10 years. And I just, I didn't tune into that conversation because I wasn't having digestive problems. I eat very, very healthy. There's no disease that I know of in my immediate family. Um, I don't have stomach aches. So I thought that was the extent of gut health. And it was something that, you know, if you, maybe if you were diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, it might be something you look into. I just didn't, I didn't have any idea it was something that was affecting me and the food that I, it wasn't the food that I was eating necessarily. It might have to, to do with the gut. So if we can, for those people who don't, who might not be paying a hundred percent attention right now because they think this isn't a problem they have. Tell us a little bit about how common uh, leaky gut is and what is the gut? Fantastic. Yeah, it turns out that, you know, we've had a vague concept, both as physicians and consumers, as to what is gut health. Um, we've had a, a vague knowledge that, okay, some there's such a thing as good bacteria with the advent of probiotics and the fermented food craze here with the everything from sauerkraut to kombucha and all of the rest suddenly showing up on grocery store shelves. Yeah. But that doesn't really define the word health at all. So, okay, some bacteria might be good. Uh, maybe some enzymes are important. You know, there's you know, been these vague pictures. And if you go and ask any physician, how would you define gut health? Uh, there's going to be some vague answers because none of us are really, uh, you know, delving into that question and defining it. And you nailed it in that here you are in the top 0.1% of health in regard to your lifestyle, your fitness, your food choices you're making, and yet you were lacking a couple pieces of the puzzle. And that's maybe better defined now in our understanding as gut intelligence rather than just the vague gut health. Hmm. What you want is an intelligent gut that knows exactly what it should absorb and what it should keep out. The extraordinary reality of your intestines is that this huge membrane, it's the largest surface area of your entire body. It, from your sinuses to your rectum, you're looking at two tennis courts worth of surface area. Two that tennis mass- courts. Wait, like literally, I have to stop you right there and picture. Yeah. So you're saying two, com- not just 
the width? You're saying like it would cover? The entire surface area. You would stretch your intestines across two tennis courts. That's crazy. And so you've got this crazy huge membrane. And it's made out of trillions of cells. And that number is hard for any of us to wrap our minds around. You know, we've all been dreaming of being millionaires. Very few people dream of being billionaires. Then you take a thousand billionaires and they've got a trillion dollars. And so that trillion word is so massive. And that is, you know, upwards of where you're looking at with this gut membrane. But that membrane is only a single cell layer thick. What does that mean? What does that mean? A single, like, what what am I picturing? I don't even know what to picture. It's hard to picture. And so what you think of your skin, perhaps, as a comparison, your skin is 50 to 100 layers of cells stacked up on top of each other. Wow. Oh, my goodness. One cell layer thick, and you're a fraction of a fraction of a hair. And so you have this tiny, tiny little surface that's protecting your body, namely your immune system, from the outside world. If that membrane of of a trillion cells is healthy and intelligent, it's going to know exactly what you need from the outside world and it's going to get it absorbed and it's going to know exactly what you don't want in your body and it's going to keep it out. That's gut intelligence. And it turns out that that intelligence is not actually in the human cell. The intelligence is between the cells. And so between the cells are these Velcro-like proteins that hook and eye each other together and like a spot weld will connect one cell to the next. Okay. Now you're looking at this very tightly weaved carpet, if you will, that covers those two tennis courts. And only the right stuff is going to get through. Tightly weaved, but also incredibly thin. Incredibly thin. And if that Velcro starts to break down, you get leak across the entire membrane. That leak now leads to, if we were talking gut intelligence, you just have a drop drop in IQ. Mm. (laughs) Suddenly, you're not keeping out the bad stuff and you're not getting the good stuff in. So is it kind of like, to give you a a good analogy, what I'm picturing is, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. I picture, um, you know what Lululemon tights are, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm picturing like our intestines ideally should look like nice, solid Lululemon tights. And what we're dealing with is a pair of fishnet hosing, like fishnet nylons with these holes. That is a perfect analogy with the exception (laughs) that I really like fishnet stocking. So I'm not sure that that makes it sound like I should like leaky gut. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) But um, yes, you're spot on. You're exactly right. And so there's a membrane that you're pulling onto your legs. You've got this membrane of material that's tightly woven. And if you um, perhaps, you know, the process of washing your your Lululemons too often and they start to lose their their elasticity and they start to become a looser weave. You no longer want to wear them to yoga class and do forward fold. That's right. Exactly (laughs) right. You're in for some some minor embarrassment or something like that. So so what you're looking at is gut is very much like that. You're looking for that tight weave that's really going to keep the outside out and keep a really profoundly uh, intelligent membrane between you and the outside world. Okay. So the term leaky gut that you mentioned earlier, that's just a simple description of the, the fishnet stocking effect of the Mm -hmm. gut. Mm -hmm. And so now you've got these large porous surfaces that 
are starting to absorb all kinds of things. And this is why my patients who are eating some of the cleanest food on earth were finding more bloating after meals, more unwanted weight, more issues with brain fog, is that even the health food has stuff in it that should not be getting into the system. Mm. And so as your gut intelligence drops, the a good example is the insoluble fiber that's in something like kale, which is one of the biggest superfoods on earth. Okay. And so that kale, you're now eating or you're juicing it and you, or you're throwing it in your smoothie. That All that insoluble fiber needs to stay on the gut side of the, of the membrane and not pass into your immune system and bloodstream. Mm. You've got fishnet stocking going on. Now suddenly all yes. of that fiber is flowing in and now what you have to do is fight your own food. What percentage so of the population is is dealing with these um, tight junctions? So I guess what we call these loose junctions? Yeah. So damaged or, or leaking junctions. Yeah. Okay. So what percentage so- of the population that that exact number is out out for the jury still. Mm. But what we're seeing under the microscope is we have never seen a gut membrane that can resist the current toxins wow. in our food chain so to you're, not you're, be leaky. Your experience has that, been that it's it's almost anyone that you're looking at they they are suffering from this. I think if you're in the United States of America and you're exposed to our food chain, you are going to have some degree of leak. Wow. Now, the difference between somebody who's leaking and doesn't sense it and somebody who's leaking and can see the difference, they've got some brain fog, they're gaining the extra pounds. The difference there is, have you overwhelmed your ability to deal with that leak yet Mm -hmm. or not? Mm -hmm. And that's getting down to this question of acute inflammation versus chronic inflammation. If you've got the fishnet stocking going on and okay. every meal you eat is now leaking through there. Even the healthy stuff. An, even the healthy stuff is getting through in the wrong fashion. Now your immune system has to react to that meal. You're in a literal food fight at the immune system. And that food fight is going to initiate a whole lot of energy output. And so you're going to be cleaning up debris. You're going to bring sweeper cells in to clean up the mess. Mm-hmm. You're going to induce an acute inflammatory or oxidative event and your immune system is going to be responding and all of this goes. Now, if you have all of the coping mechanisms to clean up that mess mm-hmm. and leave no trace of it four hours later, you're probably not even going to be fully aware that you have a problem. And who is that? And what is that? Like when you say it, it causes this inflammation, otherwise known as how would that manifest itself so that the average person knows, well, that's inflammation. Yes. Uh, the symptoms that are going to happen are going to be that kind of post-food coma. You know, you two o'clock in the afternoon, you had a good lunch, and now suddenly you're hitting the wall. You're having a hard time concentrating. You've got some short-term memory processing defects. Very difficult if you're asked to do some multitasking. Mm. You just feel sluggish. In the evenings, you're going to find poor sleep quality with a lot of fractured sleep where you may fall asleep okay, but then you're up every hour or two and then a hard time getting back to sleep. Poor sex drive. All of these are symptoms of this kind of low-grade inflammatory response that your body's putting lots of energy into coping with your leaky tights and not dealing (laughs) with your sleep patterns, your sex drive, the healthy, good metabolism. Hey, it's Irene from Team Johnson. I know you're in the middle of an amazing episode, so I'll make this quick. You'll be so glad I told you. Marketing Impact Academy is an online course for anyone who wants to grow an existing business, start a new one, or simply create an extra stream of income. The opportunities we have today to make extra money online are ridiculous. And Marketing Impact Academy shows you how step by step. I know because I did it myself. 
But hurry, because this may be your only chance to score two free tickets to the Marketing Impact Live event when you become an Academy member. So don't delay. And not to toot our own horn or anything, but our live events are the best. Space is extremely limited, and as soon as we fill up, this offer goes away. We always sell out fast, so hurry and get your spot. You heard the success stories. Now it's your turn. It's time to get off the sidelines and get in the game. Get signed up for Marketing Impact Academy today. To find out more information, please go to marketingimpactacademy.com. So it's interesting because those those symptoms you've just described are the same symptoms that you would describe for so many things, right? Like including attention deficit disorder, including um, depression, including so many other things that we just, we look at another organ, you know, or we, we look at treating yes. that symptom by taking a medication. And, and how, I mean, this seems to be epidemic. What caused this? to happen and or has this always been going on great questions you know and first we'll start with the the, the question with attention deficit and things like that mm-hmm. it turns out that that intelligent gut is not limited to your gut the velcro system there that is falling apart and causing the leak is actually contiguous through all of the membranes of your body. And so every single blood vessel that's on the opposite side of that gut membrane is tied together with the same Velcro proteins. These are called tight junctions. And so those tight junctions or Velcro are just tying together every single blood vessel. And so they start to leak. The, the tightest uh, areas of control are the blood-brain barrier. And the blood-brain barrier is supposed to have three to five times as many tight junctions as your gut membrane or your vascular membranes. The gut-brain barrier is supposed to really maintain this holy of holies around not just your brain but every peripheral nerve. And as the Velcro falls apart, your brain itself gets overwhelmed with all the stuff in your bloodstream. And it turns out even glucose, which is the main fuel for the brain, if it's not carefully regulated in the way in which it gets to a peripheral nerve or into your brain, it starts to do damage. Mm. And so, again, you don't have to be eating bad stuff to be having this inflammatory reaction to your environment. As soon as leak starts, even the good stuff can cause a problem. And I think that's what a lot of your listeners are experiencing is I, you know, Shalene, I can't get any cleaner with what I'm doing. I am the best at what I'm doing. And yet I'm so frustrated and I feel so hopeless that I'm not turning around my health the way that I want to be. And it's really important for your listeners to know that they're not broken. It's not their fault. It's not their body's problem. They're simply one of the millions that are experiencing this leak phenomenon. And so it's going to affect every organ. And is this would you say um, tied to the weight loss resistance that so many men and women are experiencing and and this disruption of hormone? No question. And that comes down to the other area of expertise in the endocrinology training is uh, the second word is metabolism. So Mm -hmm. we are in endocrinology and metabolism is our subspecialty. Metabolism is the study by which uh, we learn and practice mitochondrial science. The mitochondria look like bacteria. They are non-human just like bacteria. Mm -hmm. They have a DNA system that looks more like a virus. And these guys live inside your cells. And a healthy neuron in your brain or a peripheral nerve has 3,000 mitochondria sitting in that nerve body. And so they're tiny, tiny little non-human or entities that are living inside your cells of your body, not just in the neurons, but every cell of your body is so going like, to have somewhere between 100 to 3,000. So three, up to 3,000 in one single nerve. 
one single cell. Wow. Yes. Wow. And so those guys are what are taking everything that you comes in, all of the glucose, all the carbohydrates, all the fats that mm-hmm. come into your diet are going to be processed through those mitochondria into the fuel that you can burn, which is a one little molecule called ATP. Adenosine well, triphosphate. Oh, good. You've got it. <laughs> and so, and then that ATP molecule is what you run on. So okay. it's fascinating to realize that you are twice, if not three times removed from the food you're eating. You can't process any of the food on your plate into a usable fuel. First, mm. you have to have the bacteria eat all that food, turn it into micro and macronutrients that are going to feed the mitochondria. The mitochondria are going to digest them again, and it's going to turn it into ATP, which is what you run on. Interesting. And so, And so as we start to get into a toxic environment where the cleaners we use, the makeup we use, the foods we eat, the pesticides and the weed killers and all of this comes into our diet, the mitochondria are going to be the first to be affected by that metabolic injury. Mm. And so as you start to leak, you're going to see direct and uh, you know, correlated amount of injury to these mitochondria and they're going to get less and less efficient burning fuel. This is beginning to make sense. Yes. Now now you have the hormone system kick in. The hormone system is very fine-tuned to adversity. And so when you have an injury or you start to have problems in the larger environment or in the microenvironment of the mitochondria, the the, uh, hormone system starts to respond. And just to – if I – I don't mean to interrupt, but when you say when you have an injury, by that you're referring to the mitochondria. Yeah, or or even you know you cut yourself, or you break a leg, or so it's any kind of injury, any kind of injury, okay, any cellular or even uh, to our bodies, okay, yeah, okay. And so as the injuries start to accumulate, you and they exceed your ability to respond in an efficient fashion, you're going to start to accumulate this positive charge, rusting, oxidative stress. You've seen metal rust. That's just the process of electrons being torn off the surface of the metal. And now you've got this erosion process happening to the metal. The same thing is happening to our bodies where we're eroding or we're rusting our joints, our Mm. blood vessels, our kidney cells. They're all rusting as we accumulate this damage either through large injury or through these micro injuries to the mitochondria or other structures within the system. And so you may be experiencing very much what I had five or 10 years ago, which was I'd wake up in the morning and I ached. My, I, I could point out my toe injury that I'd had 10 years earlier because it ached right in the same joint. I could point to my elbow that usually flared up. I had aches and it would take me 15, 20 minutes to kind of loosen up in the morning and then I was you know, good to go and I wouldn't mm-hmm. think much about it again. But a lot of us have that morning ache and what mm-hmm. that is is this rusting process starting to accumulate as our body is trying to respond to all the injuries that happen during the day. And so the, the amazing process that we're looking at now as we're thinking about gut health is – But where did this really start? Talking- I mean and if this if, – if we are – one of the worst countries in the world, um, considering our wealth per capita at healing disease. What has happened in America that this epidemic is, you know, what has happened? Or has this always been the case? Were we built on bad soil? Like, what's the story? 
I wish it was something as, as hopeful as maybe it's always looked like this, but unfortunately it's never looked like this before. Mm. Um, if we look back just to 1975, uh, this is the year before we made some pretty big changes in our farming practices worldwide. Uh, but in 1975, we had an autism rate of one in 5,000. Mm-hmm. One in 5,000 children born with, with autism. If we fast forward now to 2016, uh, last year we were looking at a rate of one in 42, one in 46 kids with autism. Crazy. If, if we keep this process up by the mid-2030s, so 2034, 2036, we could be hitting a rate of autism at one in three children. Now, you just shared those statistics after mentioning the change in our farming practices in 1975. So am I to believe that you're going to suggest that this isn't necessarily due to anything more relevant than our nutrition and our farming practices and and what's happened to our food? extraordinary. You're exactly right. Wow. And so in 1976, we, we made a change in the way that we tackled the issue of growing plants. And it, it turns out that a, a very clever company that had been involved in making money from killing plants uh, through the production of um, chemical uh, chemicals that killed and deforested the jungles of Vietnam, mm-hmm. we called that chemical Agent Orange, mm-hmm. and it was dumped out of planes to kill all the foliage of the jungle so we could see the Viet Cong running through the jungle easier. And so the, these chemical companies had developed chemicals that were very good at destroying biological life, destroying plant life. These are the chemicals that we use to kill weeds, to kill um, growth that we don't want, Yes. That's exactly what it turned into. So with the with the closure of the the jungle war, suddenly we had, you know, an excess amount of chemical out there and we needed to find a new avenue to use the chemicals for what might be household use instead of warrior use. Mm -hmm. And so we turned our attention to a similar chemical, similar compounds. The family is called organophosphates. And these compounds are made from. Uh, naturally occurring amino acids, which are proteins that are the building blocks of your body. And so they take uh, glycine, which is the uh, one of the major building blocks of the matrix that is the tight junctions that we just mentioned, the mm-hmm. matrix of your brain, all kinds of critical tissues. We take that building block and we modify it with a phosphate. And this makes it into a toxin. And okay. that toxin blocks the ability of enzymes in the plant and in the soil and in the bacteria from making the nutrients in your food that actually treat disease. Okay. You remember the old age old adage that uh, we should let you know, let thy food be thy medicine. That was you know Hippocrates and lots of ancient Chinese medicine. Uh, let let thy food be thy medicine. Well, it turns out that the family of molecules that are responsible for that medicinal quality to our food are called alkaloids. And this alkaloid family, uh, it's it's pretty amazing to look this up if you want to Google this, but alkaloids uh, are break down into about a dozen families. And of those 12 families, you will find anti-asthma, anti-cancer, antidepressants. You'll find uh, anti-hypertensives, anti-diabetic compounds. Basically, everything that you could want to maintaining a healthy body is representing these alkaloids. So that you don't get the, these things that we're, we take so many medicines now so to, to correct and to cure ourselves of. We are using pharmaceuticals to replace what we're missing in our food. Mm-hmm. And 
the reality is uh, it was just this single introduction of weed killer into our food chain. And that primary weed killer in 1976 was patented as Roundup. Mm. And that Roundup compound became... Now, is Roundup a company name or is that a, um, a name that they gave to the compound? Roundup is the product name. I see. And so that's the commercial product name. The, the chemical name is glyphosate. Mm-hmm. And glyphosate is uh, originally patented by a company that you may have heard of called Monsanto. Mm -hmm. And Monsanto obviously now owns about 85 to 90% of our food chain in America. And they do that by uh, owning the seed. And Mm -hmm. they own the seeds that we grow because they patented genetically modified seeds. And so they genetically modified our seeds of corn, soybean, alfalfa, now wheat. Uh, Now you've heard of genetically modified salmon probably. Yeah. And so, you know, we've got all this genetic modification going. And in the plant world, it's genetically modified so that these crops don't die from this weed killer. In other words, in other words, we're talking about GMOs. Yeah. Which is the common term people hear that word GMO and and we pass it around. But I don't think a lot of people realize that that means genetic modification of these plants. That's right. We have altered the genes uh, through the introduction of a virus capsid. Uh, The virus is called uh, the the cauliflower mosaic virus. And our grandparents didn't have these same battles to fight with their food. Yeah, it's brand new. We're really just in the first, you know, two generations of human bodies that have to deal with a food chain that is depleted of all of its medicinal qualities. And it's just coming with these kind of gross macronutrients or micronutrients, not delivering these magical little medicinal qualities that you would expect from your incredible organic salad that you're buying or whatever. Well, it's interesting because if you talk to our parents, right, or the generation even uh, our parents' parents, they kind of laugh at how we are with our food and, you know, just eat you know, look at look at your uncle so and so. He lived to be ninety four, and he smoked cigarettes, and he ate bacon. Well, their food was different. You know, it's not that we're, we've turned into health freaks. It's just that we realize we're dying. Not only was their food different, their membranes worked. So they had gut intelligence. Mm. And so they could eat food that we look at today and be like, oh, my gosh, that would make me sick immediately if I ate that. But they had a gut intelligence that we don't have today. And that gut intelligence is two pieces, one of which is this incredibly tight Velcro system that is now damaged across the board. Why is it damaged? Because it turns out that glyphosate or the Roundup, not only does that tie up and prevent the ability for our food to carry nutrients, it functions as a direct antibiotic and kills the bacteria in our gut, in the soil, in the ecosystem. Without those bacteria, we then start to lose the integrity of the Velcro and we start to leak. So, if so I, the gr- it, now how is this? Let, let's say that, um, you know, my parents were hippies. We grew our own food and we and we lived off the land and my parents never used Roundup or we were never exposed to those types of uh, chemicals. It, it, how does this affect us epidemically because it's um, it's in the environment? You're spot on. Yeah. And so the the process that we're now seeing is that no matter how clean we try to live, we're trying to eat organic food. We may be growing our own food in our backyard gardens. We're still having this leak phenomenon uh, Mm. penetrate the population. And the dismal reality is it's the very nature of this chemical, the glyphosate uh, and the amount that we're putting into the environment that makes this almost inescapable at this point. 
How so? And so the organophosphates, like glyphosate, are water-soluble toxins. And those four words, you know, water-soluble mm. toxins, I guess that's three, <laughs> water-soluble toxins should never be put together because it leads to a really huge public health disaster. Most toxins in the environment are actually fat-soluble, not mm. water-soluble. And so they get pulled out of the environment pretty quickly. In the soil, they get pulled out by mycelium and other structures within the, the fungi and the bacteria in the soils. In, in your gut, it gets pulled out by bacteria. If you end up with a, a fat-soluble toxin in the liver, it's sequestered into fat cells so it doesn't get into your bloodstream or into your brain. In contrast, if you have a water-soluble toxin, it's going to travel through all parts of the ecosystem, all parts of your body really unperturbed. And so, so these organophosphates like glyphosate are free to move through the environment. Through the soil, through our rainwater, is that correct? That's the sad part. So even if I yeah. live, um, you know, on this nice, safe little ranch where we're making or, or growing our own livestock and we're we're growing our own vegetables and everything's organic, I'm still being exposed to it through the environment. Exactly. And that happens both through the, the rain that rains on your farm as well as the air you breathe and the cattle breathe and everything else. So right now in the United States, 70 to 75 percent of the air samples taken throughout, throughout the uh, southern United States, especially if it, there's a tributary of a Mississippi River nearby, 70 to 75 percent of your air is going to be uh, contaminated with glyphosate and Jeez. 70 to 75 percent of the rainfall is going to be contaminated. And so well, you've got you, this molecule all over you, the place. Could you hold on a second? I need to get my passport. I'm moving. <laughs> yeah. And actually, isn't that so common? And so a lot of my patients will travel over to Europe for two weeks and they'll come back and they'll be dumbfounded. They're like, my psoriasis went away. My irritable bowel syndrome went away. I was eating gluten. I was loving my French crepes. I had dairy. I mean, all the stuff I'm not supposed to be eating over here. I was fine. I felt fantastic. And then I come back here and I'm not even eating this stuff and I feel worse. What's going on? Well, let's and say we can't we, we can't um, take that trip on the French Riviera and we are we are destined to live in the United States. And I, I know I have listeners from and people who are enjoying this audio from all across the world. But for those of us who who recognize that this is what we're dealing with, it, it is what it is, as they say, what steps can we take to either protect ourselves or to begin to heal our gut? Oh, my gosh. Just when we were getting to the really, really good stuff. I mean, it's all good stuff, right? Don't worry. I'm not going to make you wait for the second installment of this interview. You can download it right now and you're going to want to because in the second part, we really talk about solutions and it's going to come full circle. So stay optimistic. Keep your chin up. You don't need to pack your bags yet. Hope is on the way. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And remember, if there are people who you love and you care about them, you'll share this episode and the next one too. So do that first, share it first, and then listen to part two. Oh, public service announcement. Dr. Bush is the creator of a product called Restore, and that's actually how I discovered him. My own physician was the first person to introduce this product to myself and my family. It's remarkable. But here's the cool thing about Dr. Bush. He really didn't want to spend time talking about this revolutionary product that replaces probiotics because it's not his mission to sell something. It is his mission to help people become healthy. And I so totally respect that. 
In fact, it elevated him in my eyes as someone who really has integrity. So do me a favor, do yourself a favor, go check it out for yourself. Go to www, do we still say that anymore? Yeah, go to restore for the number four life.com, restore for life.com. And you know, that's the website where you can learn more about this product, Restore. But aside from that, go online. That's what I did. Go on YouTube, watch other people's reviews, listen to other doctors talking about this. And then I know you'll make the right decision for you. This episode is brought to you by Smart Life Push Journal. Write that down, smartlifepushjournal.com. It's a system I created over five years ago, which to date has helped over a half a million people accomplish their goals, become more productive, healthier, and happier in the process. It revolves around the push goal principles. Now, if you don't know what a push goal is, no problem. The Smart Life Push Journal will actually walk you through the process of finding yours, creating it, and then accomplishing that goal and all the others on your list in less than 90 days. I've taught this system for countless years, and while it works for anyone who does it, it was difficult to help people develop the habit of just creating a push goal and then accomplishing two to three 10-minute tasks each day around their push goal. Like, that seems like common sense, and, and you know that if you just do a few things each day towards your big goals that they're going to happen, but how do we make that a habit? Well, my 90-day goal-setting system revolves around a physical journal that turns that concept into a habit. Now, if you're looking for one of those really fancy, pretty journals that you know has your whole year, plus your electricity bill, plus all of your birthday cards, and it's so big and so cumbersome, you can barely carry it around, this is not your journal. I've designed this journal because I was a journal junkie. I went through hundreds of journals. I tried to create my own. I played with apps. But after looking at the neuroscience behind physically writing out these tasks, after spending so much time trying to figure out complicated day tracking journal systems and realizing I was spending more time putting on fancy borders and tapes and colors, it just dawned on me, my whole purpose is about simplicity. Like, let's make things simple. Fewer decisions, fewer distractions, a lightweight, easy to carry with you, portable journal. It's a 90-day goal-setting system where you'll set goals to accomplish in the next 90 days, and then you pluck away at them 30 days at a time. So you don't carry around with you a journal that holds a year's worth of information or even 90 days. You carry around 30 days at a time. And that's important because in my study and in working with hundreds of thousands of people just like you, I found that things come up that change your goals, that change your direction. Life throws you curveballs, and you need that fluidity. At the same time, you need accountability. It's like walking around with a life coach in your bag, in your purse, in your hand. You'll always have it with you. That was key. Because if you don't have it with you, then your goals, your dreams, and the tasks that you need to accomplish in order to master your goals are out of sight, out of mind. It's simple. It's fast. It does two things. It helps you track your health and fitness, which also includes your diet and nutrition, your sleep, all things that make you better, healthier, and it helps you track your day, your life. So you intertwine both business and personal. This is for the stay-at-home mom. 
This is for the entrepreneur, the network marketer. This is for the college student. This is for the person whose dreams are so big, they don't have time to turn their day planner into another cumbersome, huge, overwhelming project. It's simple, and it also includes a complete video series that teaches you how to use a journal. Because if you're like me, I don't like to read instructions. But how you use this journal is what makes it so amazing. I hope you'll check it out and learn more by going to smartlifepushjournal.com.